Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, May 6, 2018, we continue our series titled Ephesians Made Worthy, Walk Worthy. Today's sermon, The Call to Change, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Enjoy. You know, since you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, have there been times in your life where you've gone back to the old life? I mean, the way that you used to live before you became a Christian? Or perhaps have there been moments in your life where, uh, you know, you, you, you're really kind of doing, seems like pretty well spiritually, and you're kind of going along and doing your thing, and it seems like you get around maybe your old friends, and it sort of sucks you back into the things that you used to do, and you do it there, or you get around, you know, some other different group of people, and it's like you just go with the flow and do whatever they are doing, and yet you know that it's probably not the thing that God wants you to do. You ever done that? I know it's a very personal kind of question to ask. The reason why I, I even bothered to ask that is so, so many believers seem to struggle with this issue. Being a Christian, sort of God pulling us out of the world, and yet I have to live in this world. I'm still surrounded by the people that are living these lives. How do I do that? Because so many people struggle with it. I mean, Paul did, primary writer of the New Testament. Evangelist, the, 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 probably the most well-known person in all of Christianity other than Jesus at the time. He did. Turn in your Bible, keep your finger here in Ephesians 4 and turn over to the left to Romans chapter 12. Let me warn you too that you're probably going to be turning your Bible a lot this morning. We'll have the verses on the screen above, but the reason why we like you to turn to the scriptures is we really just want you to get used to going through the scriptures and knowing where things are at. Romans chapter, did I say 12? Chapter 7, excuse me. Romans chapter 7, look at verse 15. Paul writes and he says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the very thing that I hate, I do the very thing that I hate. You ever been like that? You ever got to the place where you go, you know what, I don't really want to live this life anymore or this lifestyle anymore, and yet I feel like I just kind of keep falling back to it or I do it again or I get with the wrong group of people and I start living like this all over again. The desire to do right, but then you fail. Well, the passage we're looking at this morning is all about this. It's all about change and our need to change and better yet, God's plan for us to change, the how to change. Now, there's two really important things I want you to know before we actually jump into the passage. One of them is, is that change is not easy. It's not easy because our enemy hasn't changed. You know, Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That he's out there attacking and accusing all the time. And we know that the world system, the very system that you and I got saved out of and are supposed to be different than, it still exists. It's still out there going on. We still live and work in the middle of it. And you and I still have flesh. But here's the second thing, is that change is totally possible. It's totally possible. 
God has given us all the power that you and I need to live differently. Again, keep your finger here in, in Ephesians 4 and go over to the left to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. And Paul writes here and he says, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. In other words, God has done this supernatural change in my life when I come to faith that allows me to be different. I, I'm not like I was before. Now, let me tell you why that's really important. There's, there's this old saying, you've probably heard this before. It goes something like this. Dead fish float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim against the current. Any dead fish can just float along with society, the current of life. It can just do what every single other person does, but it takes life to go against that, right? Okay, so go back to Ephesians for a second, but go to chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 4 and 5. It says this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Let me translate that for you. God made you alive. You don't have to go along with the flow any longer. You don't have to go along and go, I couldn't help it. Everybody was doing it. I just did it. You don't have to do that. Ephesians 1.13 and 4.30 tell us that God sealed us with his Holy Spirit. I mean, he's given us the power and the ability to change. And yet that doesn't change the fact that it's a difficult task because there's a battle that rages along in our lives. Go back over to the left to Galatians chapter 5. And look at verses 16 and 17. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. In other words, there's a battle that's going on in your life. God has put his Spirit inside of you. You're living in this world and that world is battling and calling to you and trying to get you to live a certain way and yet God is trying to give you a certain way and that makes us feel like we're pulled back and forth all the time. Now the reason why I bring that up is because some, maybe all or many at least of the Ephesians, believers that Paul writes to here are struggling with that very issue. They're going back to the old life the life that they used to lead before they came to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the context of the passage that we're looking at this morning. Now, with that in mind, go back to Ephesians 4, and let me read through verses 17 through 24, and then we'll walk through this together. Verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, 
greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now what Paul's going to do here this morning is he's going to tell us why you should not go back to the old life. And then he's going to tell us how you cannot go back to the old life. How is that possible? He'll explain all of that. But before we do that, this is such a big deal. Would you just mind if we pray together over this so that our hearts would be just right and in, in touch with this? God, you, um, you realize that we are all works in progress in your eyes. But you have called us to live differently. And you have empowered us to live differently. And my prayer this morning is that each of us would not only desire to be different, but that we would embrace how we could be different. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here we go. The first part of this now is in verses 17 through 21, and that's the reason for the change. This is the why part, okay? He's going to tell you why we ought to change. Look at verse 17. He starts off and he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Okay, he says, stop acting like the Gentiles. Here's the problem. They are Gentiles. I mean, what's he saying to them? Stop being you. No, he's saying stop being the old you. Stop acting like you used to live, like you used to be, the person that you were before you found Christ. Stop acting like that old life. In fact, he even refers to their old life in verses 18 and 19 as they, not them at that point. And what Paul does is he sort of starts into the reasons now to for why you shouldn't go back into the old life. And he actually uses a word to sort of preface the whole thought. It's the word futility. The word means worthless. And that's his overall description of what it means to go back. He begins to describe it, and he's going to use five descriptions to describe this old life. The first one is he says, it's dark. Look at verse 18. He says, they are darkened in their understanding. You know, dark... Um, I mean, I don't think I'm going out too far on a limb to say dark implies that a thought life isn't good. Right? It's evil. That our thoughts are sinister. You know, if we're honest about things, we're probably afraid of the dark, mostly, you know? It's not something that we want to be in all the time. And the dark is the opposite of really who we are, you know, to be as Christians. I mean, God has called us to be children of light. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, you're supposed to be lights to the world. We're not supposed to be dark. It's easy to get lost in the dark. Have you noticed that? It's easy to go to the wrong place in the dark. But then he keeps going in verse 18, and he, then he talks about the fact that we become hard. He says, they are darkened in their standing, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So that when we begin to go back into that old life, there's a hardness of heart. You know, the hard-hearted person at some point just stops caring about what God wants. 
they sort of lose interest in doing it his way. You know, we're all familiar, I, I, I'm sure you're all familiar with the term tenderhearted. Most of us know people that are very tenderhearted, you know, that basically just, they, they weep at everything, they just, they find joy in everything. Somebody will come up with a little baby and they just think that's the sweetest thing in the world. Or somebody's hurting and they hurt with them and somebody says, oh, my back has just been bothering and they've got that continual moving right arm that's on their back, you know, and just kind of rubbing and trying to, I mean, they just love people right where they're, they're very, they're tenderhearted, Right? Well, hard-hearted would be just the opposite. They're not moved by an injustice or a wrong or a wound or an injury or something that's sweet. They don't care about those things. The reality is they don't care about others. What they really care about is themselves. Then Paul keeps going here in verse 19, and he says that he describes them as they become callous. You know, I actually thought, you know, this past week I was thinking, when I was studying for this, I was thinking, I should just go get some, you know, like my shovel out and do a bunch of digging, you know, and get a bunch of calluses, you know, here on my hands and then be able to, and then I, I thought better, you know, myself on that one, you know, because I know how badly that hurts. Callus is just rough. I mean, we've all done that at times. You've, you know, you've overworked your hands or something like that. It's rough. It's cold. It's insensitive. You can't really feel the things that you need to feel. He keeps going in verse 19, and he says this. He says, not only their, their hardness of heart, but then in verse 19, he said, they've become callous, and they've given themselves up to sensuality. There's a biblical word for that, depraved. Paul uses these exact words, giving themselves up to sensuality. He will use the same words in Romans chapter 1 for people who get to the point where they totally reject and ignore God and just choose to pursue their own desires. Instead of pursuing God, they begin to pursue sexual sin. And you know what happens is they end up living lives that, that, that totally lack concern for the consequences of their action. Then he takes it even a step further. Because it's not just that they stop pursuing God and start pursuing these things, but then they become consumed with it because now he'll say they become greedy to the practice of every kind of impurity. In other words, they're only interested in pleasing themselves and they seem to be constantly pursuing some sort of satisfaction and yet that satisfaction doesn't meet their needs and so they gotta go a step further to find some satisfaction and that doesn't meet it and they go a step further and they keep going and going and going until at some point... They have no control over what they're doing. No real love for others in this person. This person is a user. You know, I was trying to think, how would I explain this? And, you know, it kind of occurred to me, isn't this exactly what a person that in their minds is looking for a one-night stand? Isn't that what they are? I mean, they're not, they're not interested in you know, being with somebody else and loving and having this be a wonderful situation. They just want to go fulfill a, a desire that they have at that moment and then see you. Paul writes here because he wanted the Ephesians and he wants us to know that's not okay to live like that. Look what he says in verse 20. Here's his response to that. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Learn Christ here would be the same thing as what you believed. Well, what, did you, what did you believe when you came to faith in Jesus? Can you remember? I mean, I remember. 
I was 14 years old. I remember that someone sat down and explained the gospel to me, and this is what, this is what I learned. I'm a sinner. And by sinner, meaning I have faults, I make mistakes. I mean, compared to God who is perfect, I am so far from perfect. I've had bad thoughts. I've done, you know, I've, I've done the wrong thing. I mean, I, I, I drew 60 and 55 zones. I mean, I've, I've done everything, you know. I mean, I, every possible thing you could possibly imagine. I have done, I'm a sinner. I fall short of the glory of God. I also learned that I've been capable of saving my own self. I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I can't walk enough old ladies across the street. I can't give things away to show how, you know, merciful that I really am. That doesn't change the fact that who I fundamentally am is a sinner. And I can't work my way to heaven. I also learned that Jesus loved me. Enough to go to the cross and suffer and die for sins that he did not commit. Those were my sins that put him on the cross. I learned that they took him off the cross. They put him in a grave. But three days later, he came out of the grave. That he has power over life and death. He has victory over the grave. And his victory is my victory. I learned that what I needed to do, I needed to stop and acknowledge my sin. God, I am a sinner, and I needed to trust him. And that he would forgive me, and he would give me new life, and he would keep me forever. And in the middle of that new life, in this lifetime right now, he would give me a purpose, a reason to be here. That's what I learned when I came and trusted in Jesus. Let me tell you what I didn't learn. I didn't learn, hey, pray this prayer, and then just go live your life. I didn't learn that. Why? Because part of the process is when we begin to trust in Christ and we begin to follow him. Let me show you something. If you're in Ephesians, go over to the right to Colossians chapter two. Look at verses six and seven. Colossians chapter two. Verse six says, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is what we're expected to do. Now go back to Ephesians 4 here. Because let me, let me read verse 20 again and add 21 to it. Because Paul's going to sort of change in the second part of this here. He says, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming, verse 21, that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So what Paul is telling the Ephesians here now is, look, you're not supposed to live like that, but maybe you don't believe. Maybe you need to examine yourself to make sure that you are in the faith. Well, that's something he said before. Keep your finger in Ephesians here and go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at verse 5. He says, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Wow. You ought to be able to tell. You ought to be able to know. There ought to be a sense of conviction over sin in your life. Now, I want you to remember something here. Paul is not writing this to the people in the city of Ephesus. Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus because it was people within the church who said, yes, I have come to believe in Jesus. Yes, I have trusted in Jesus that we're going out and doing the things that they used to do beforehand. So his writing to them is to call them out of that. You ever heard that, I got a really old term for you, really old term. You ever heard the term backslidden? It's a term that used to be used by people who claimed to be Christians, but had gone back to their old ways, their old lifestyle, and simply aren't living a Christian life at all any longer. And I'm not talking about just, you know, blowing it and, you know, making a bad choice, making some mistakes, you know, sins like that. We all sin, right? I'm talking about a lifestyle, a deliberate lifestyle that we choose to ignore and walk away and we want nothing to do with God. That's what a group of these people were doing. So what do you do about it? Well, you get to this point and now we're, this is where Paul's going to shift gears and now he's gonna tell us how do we change. He started off telling us why we should change because of how dark this was, it was not who we were supposed to be. If we'd come to faith in Jesus, it should be different. But now he's gonna tell us how in verses 22 through 24. And back in Ephesians 4, follow along with me as I read this. He says in verse 22, he says, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul's gonna suggest here that there's three changes that need to be made. Now change number one, he starts off in verse 22 and he says you need to put off the old self. Translated, stop doing the things you used to do. And by the way, this is a battle for every believer. Go back over to the right to Colossians chapter three. Look at verses five through nine. Verse five, he says, Paul says, but put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What's from the old life? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once too walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. In other words, it's time for you to change, to be different. You know, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but as we're going around from verse to verse, have you noticed that Paul wrote and said things to people that were in Galatia? So he wrote to the Galatians, he wrote to the people in, the, in, in, in Ephesus, so he wrote to the Ephesians, and he wrote to people in, in Colossia, the Colossians, all with the same issue. You know what that tells me? It tells me that believers everywhere struggle with this issue of coming to faith in Jesus, but going back to the old life. 
how do we do that? How do we change? In fact, go back to verse 22 because he'll even tell you here that that old life, it's kind of wooing. It, it, it deceives us. It just kind of keeps calling us back like it's a comfortable thing for us to be. Look what he says in verse 22. He says, put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires. It lies to you. Just come hang out with us and do what you always have done. Come on. Now, you get to the second change here. First change was, he said, you gotta stop doing the old thing. Stop, okay? Change number two, though, is you gotta change what you put into your minds. Look at verse 23. He says, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To be renewed is to fill your mind with truth. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, you ever heard the term garbage in, garbage out? Garbage in, garbage out is the idea that whatever you put inside of you is going to come out and it's going to affect things in your life. Now, let me tell you why it's a big deal. God, when he designed your brain, made something incredibly special. I mean, our brains are like these super powerful biochemical computers that download tons of information every single day. Everything you see, hear, touch, taste, read, everything goes into that computer in your mind called a brain. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because every single time your brain then calls for a decision to be made about something, all of that information that has been downloaded inside of your brain has a staining effect on every single issue that you deal with. It will put its mark on it. For example, the TV shows that you watch or the movies that you see? Are they things that would be God-honoring, or are they things that you would go, uh, mm, probably not so good, but I like some of the characters. Probably gonna have some kind of an effect on you that's not good. Pornography. Do you realize what pornography really is? I mean, it is the, it's degrading, it's abusive. It, it's lustful, it's dark in its nature. It cannot possibly make it possible for you to look at a sister in Christ and have good thoughts. Today, now, there's so much stuff on, on TV about the supernatural. We begin to think it's normal and natural for people to have extra powers that somehow you know, are, are, are working for good, and that's deceiving to us. All of these things have got to be changed. We've got to be proactive about the things that we put into our minds. It starts by that first change. You've got to stop. You've got to put off the things you were doing. But then he gets to this point and he's saying, now you've got to feed your mind things that are going to build you up the right way. For example, go over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and look at verse 2. Paul writes here and he says, do not be conformed to this world. Let me translate that for you. Quit giving in. Stop. Don't just keep going, oh, I gave in. Stop. Do not be conformed any longer. And then he tells you how. He says, but, but be renewed or be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You can be transformed by the things that go into your mind. That is the promise. 
You want an example? Okay, go all the way back to uh, Psalm 119, right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119. Look at verse 9 through 11. Here's the promise that if I hide God's word, it'll have an amazing effect on my life. Look at what he says, verse nine. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. In other words, I need to stay in this, God. I get it completely. If I don't stay in this word, I'll begin to stumble. Verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see the renewal there? It's not just stop doing this, but now if I start putting God's word in my heart, now he gives me the capacity to have a renewed mind, to think differently, to see the world differently, all of it, and to keep from sin. It's not just that. I can even have the possibility of having peace in my, in my life. Go over to Philippians chapter four. Just on the other side of Ephesians. Philippians chapter four. starting with verse six. Again, Paul writes here and he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What's he talking about? He's saying if I would begin to fill my mind with truth, with the word of God and things that build me up. I mean, I don't mean this as a commercial, but there's a lot of times I turn on the radio and you know what I really need to hear? Positive encouragement. Because the world is ugly. I just need to be built up. I need the right set of things flowing through my mind. And so it's, it's, there are times I need to pick up a, a great book like Tony Dungy's story about a man of faith living in a world of football. I mean, I need to find things that will build me up and champions out there, people that have done it, that have made it. These encourage us. They push us forward. They give us the, 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 the courage to, to take the steps out there and live the faith. So Paul has told us here, he said, stop doing these things, and now he's telling us you need to fill your mind with truth. Now, by the way, it's really easy to say stop. Really easy. In fact, most people I know that struggle with certain things will say, you know what, I've stopped 20 times. You know what the problem was? You left a void there, though. You just stopped. You didn't fill it with anything. You've got to learn how to fill it with the right things. Renew your mind. But then he gets to change number three, and that is do what God has called you to do. Go back to verse 24 there in Ephesians 4. He says, And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Flip back over to Colossians, back over to the right. Chapter 3. Look at verses 1 and 2. 
Again, Paul writes and he says, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, and by the way, if you have Christ in your heart, you have been raised with Christ. Okay. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. In other words, start doing what God wants you to do. Well, what does that look like? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I mean, if you got that verse, can you put that up here? Put on the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Want to know the answer? Do those things. Stop doing the things you were doing. Stop living by the flesh in the old world. Start filling up your mind with things that are honorable and true and right and good that will build you up, the things that are excellent, and start doing the things that God is asking you to do. Love people. Encourage them. Be kind. Be tender. Allow God to use you in that way. And by the way, if if you look at the end of verse 24, it will tell you that we can even sort of get a gauge and a measure on this whole thing because we know when we're doing this right, we start looking a little bit more like Christ. Back in verse 24, he says, he goes, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That's how we're gonna start looking. Now, let me do this. Let me end with a, a bit of advice. You have to put off the old before you can put on the new. And some of you are really struggling here because you're trying to wear both. I I know that's the case. You're trying to live in two worlds. You're trying to, to honor God in one way, but you really want to have your fun and all your friends are living a certain way and you want to do that as well. And it doesn't work. It will not work. It will ultimately push you one way or the other, but that will not work. What do you do? Well, imagine for a second with me that you have a small child, okay? And this child's outside, it's cold outside, it's obviously not in Arizona, cold outside, and they're, they're playing, rolling around in the dirt and the mud and the whole bit, and the coat's getting, you know, frayed a little bit and you know, maybe just, you know, ripped a little bit, and you realize they need a new coat. You go to the mall. You walk into the the place where you're going to buy this coat, and you find a new coat, and you take it over. Do you put that new coat on them over the old coat? No. You know what you do is you take the old coat off, and then you put on the new one. Some of you need to do that this morning in your lives. You need to take the old life off. Fill your mind up with the things of the Lord. and Start doing the things God wants you to do by putting the new life on. Would you pray with me? Just for a second, would you do me a favor and um, stop maybe and close your eyes for a minute? There's nothing uniquely spiritual about that. I'm just asking you to focus in on you, that's all. 
It's my hope and prayer is that you would be able to find your way off of that cycle, that up and down victory and defeat cycle and get to the place where you could walk with the Lord. That will not happen as long as you're carrying around that old coat, that old self. You gotta get rid of it. Right where you're at, why don't you ask God to take it away? Father, I pray that you would give us um, the desire to be away from those things and the wisdom to turn to your word, fill our minds up with it, and then the wisdom, Lord, to follow that up with actions of putting on the new self. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.